Support for The Molly Fool and Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, who are excited to introduce their all-new Rate Shield approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, Rate Shield approval is a real game-changer, and here's why. First, Quicken Loans will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop, but here's a crucial part. If rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking that you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Chen. It's Tuesday, October 9th. I'm joined by Motley Fool contributor Dan Klein, who's connecting with the Fool HQ studio via Skype. Hey, Dan. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, Vince. I feel like I just left you. Yeah, I know. It was great seeing you last week at our uh, Fool.com conference. How'd you end up doing at the casino, by the way, on Friday? (laughs) Not very well. So I was sort of the host for the group of us who went. So I was kind of flitting in and out of different games. You know, two hands of blackjack here, a little slot machine here, a little whatever. So I did not use any logical gambling strategy. And uh, let's say the MGM is doing a little better for because of that. Yeah. Well, I I love talking to you about that because I didn't realize that uh, you were quite the blackjack kind of card shark, so <laughs> I, I am, and uh, I'm going to a convention in Vegas with another fool next week, and I'm sure we'll get to to play some serious cards. This was not a serious trip. This was much more about just hanging out with a bunch of coworkers, and it was also very crowded. the uh, The singer Maxwell was performing, and that just filled the place up. Okay, all right. Um, I know you're going to be back at HQ next week, but I wanted to bring you on the show today uh, to talk Target. And uh, thank you for bringing the company back on my radar, by the way. Because frankly, if you'd have told me that at the beginning of 2018, Target would end up being in the top 50 best performing stocks in the S&P 500 this year, I I don't (laughs) think I would have believed you, frankly. But here we are in October, and Target is indeed in the top 10% of gainers in that index, with shares up 31% year-to-date. The last couple times, Target has come up on the show. Uh, we talked about the turnaround plan that management launched in early 2017. Um, there were some encouraging initial results from that effort uh, as of the late summer last year. So think about things like smaller store formats, uh, they're remodeling existing locations, there's digital growth. So these are all themes from the last show. But most importantly, uh, management has really wanted to take back market share and they've become more willing to compete on price in order to do so and also just think out of the box. Um, so after the second quarter results target released back in August, I think a lot of the even the biggest skeptics really have to acknowledge that the chain is kind of gaining some momentum. So we're going to cover a lot of different uh, investments that Target's leadership has been making uh, to contribute to the strong results. But I'll let you start, Dan. What kind of stuff has impressed you the most? Well, really, it's that. Target could have just sort of made some minor changes. They could have improved delivery, spruced up the stores, tweaked the merchandise, kind of just stuck with what was already sort of working. It wasn't it wasn't the disaster that some of these retailers are. And instead, they really blew everything up. You know, if you walk into your average Target, they're not done with the remodels. They're about a third of the way through. But if you go into a remodeled Target, they've changed everything. The way the, that you flow through the store, the way merchandise is. If you're in a, a more urban location, like things like snacks are in the front. There's multiple entrances. You know, So they took something, and instead of just going, okay, how do we get it a little bit better? They really took a big risk. They changed a lot of their merchandise and they made all the changes that you don't see. They invested a lot of money in supply chain and making sure they have the right merchandise in their stores. And that's really all paying off. They put up the, the best comp sales numbers they've had in, in I want to say, eight, nine years. Uh, their traffic was up uh, six point something percent. It's really been a, you know, a, a turnaround that sort of all came together in the last quarter or two. 
Yeah, I will jump into those numbers a little bit. So we're talking about foot tra- foot traffic growth here of 6.4%. So that's the highest level of growth recorded since 2008. And then on top of that, the year-over-year comparable sales growth was 6.5%. That's the highest level since 2005. So like you said, pretty impressive. And breaking that down, um, the physical stores contributed contributed 4.9% of that comms boost, and then with the remaining 1.5% or so coming from e-commerce. And e-commerce specifically, uh, digital growth came in at 41%, which is an acceleration from both the first quarter of this year and then from the prior year quarter. Um, Both of those came in closer to 30%. So, it does seem like uh, CEO Brian Cornell and the rest of the leadership team they're taking this more holistic approach to the turnaround that they've implemented, um, and they're still experimenting with a lot of things, like the smaller format stores. Uh, Twelve of them were open in the first half of 2018, and COO John Mulligan, he said during the last earnings call, as quote, these locations deliver high sales productivity along with gross margin rates above the company average, and we continue to see strong growth as these stores mature. At the end of the second quarter, we are operating 26 mature small format stores, and on average, this group saw high single-digit comp growth during the quarter. So again, kind of feeding into that, though at this point, still a very small base, right? Yeah, and when you look at it, on the back-end side, they made all the same moves Walmart did. You know, you can order online, pick up in store, there's multiple delivery options. It's really about giving the customers what they want and and where they want it and how they want it. You know, if you look at their website, it's not a total overhaul, but they really dug in on taking steps out of the process, automating things like subscription, just making it very very easy to shop there. And you have to do that when your competitor is Amazon, which is about the easiest place to shop there is. Yeah, and on the supply chain side, I was looking for some uh, more specific detail and guidance in terms of what they're doing there. It seems, um, the, uh, as much as I could glean from their from the management comments, they're trying to handle a lot of the new the digital fulfillment from the growth in that channel, of course. Um, but they're also trying to improve things like the in store functions, like how they offload inventory from the trucks, uh, some of the shelf stocking process, and also how. They staff employees in different departments of the store. To overall, it seems they're really trying to focus on improving the guest experience, um, to give better service, have fewer out of stock items uh, on shelves, uh, or not on shelves, right? And right. It, oh, go ahead. It, it's a work in progress. So I am a three or four times a week Target visitor. Sometimes because it's too hot here to take a walk outside, so I'll use Target as my sort of indoor walking space. I know that makes me sound a thousand years old, uh, but. They've done better in that on the big ticket items, you won't find them running out of, say, one flavor of cereal from a popular brand. Where they still struggle a bit is on some of the smaller companies. Like they stock uh, a type of canned coffee I like, and they sort of run out of it before they bring it all back in. So there's absolutely still little hiccups in it, but it's gotten much better. And your ability to walk up to an associate and say, hey, I usually buy this. How do I order it online? Or how do I get it sent here to this store? The level of training in my personal experience is very high for the individual associate to be able to help you with that. Yeah, management has been talking a lot about uh, improvements to training to uh, help customers with issues like what you just mentioned. the next thing I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, existing locations. We talked a little uh, about, or at least mentioned, the major remodeling project um, that is currently in process. So, over 300 stores are expected to get a facelift in 2018. Longer term, the goal is to remodel uh, 1,100 locations by 2020. So, that would cover, I believe, more than half of the company's total store base. And again, this is the COO Mulligan. He said, 
uh, about the remodeling efforts, and I quote, specifically, consistent with our plan, we continue to see traffic-driven incremental sales lifts of 2% to 4% in our remodeled stores following completion of the remodel. And while the data is limited, we're seeing some early indications that remodeled stores continue to outcomp other stores beyond the first year after the remodel. So the company said, uh, a management said that at one point in time in July, there were 258 stores that were in the middle of the remodeling process, which you have to imagine will negatively affect the customer experience at those stores in the near term, right? I, I, I don't know that it does because they do a really good job. So they remodeled fully the store near us in, uh, in Davenport, Florida, sort of near Disney World, where, as we've talked about, we have a little place there. And they made it really exciting. There were sort of like covered boxes in the in the parking lot saying, you know, big things are happening soon. Like it wasn't very distracting in the store. They did a very good job closing off certain areas and moving merchandise around. So at no point did I feel like, wow, this is a construction zone or there was always a little bit of, ooh, what are they going to uncover next? Are they are they adding this kind of store? And what I what's important to know about the remodel is these aren't cookie cutter remodels. The remodel here in West Palm Beach is very different from the remodel in in Davenport. When when I walk into the store near Disney, the first thing you see is towels and disposable swim items and things that someone on vacation is most likely to need. When I walk in here, you get the the on sale, you know, household goods and and maybe bottled water or or maybe bathing suits, whatever it is, but it's it's based on the place where you live versus the place where most people there are just visiting for a short amount of time. So they put a lot of thought into sort of how they arrange each store. No, that's good to know, and I didn't mean that as a knock uh, on this process, right? I think it's a risk that's worth taking. Uh, management may have been, uh, they may have confirmed that there is a bit of a negative headwind uh, from the rem- having so many stores uh, going through the remodeling process at once. But ultimately, this is a kind of near-term hiccup that gives the company a much better long-term, you know, focus and runway. And I prefer to see that from management, frankly. Um, related, well, I was going to say, ahead. related to the remodeling project, a big part of that is their kind of e-commerce effort. Uh, Target's brick-and-mortar locations, they're doubling more and more as fulfillment centers. They said that two-thirds of their 41% online sales growth in the second quarter was fulfilled, fulfilled from stores, which is pretty big. What do you think? Well, I think that's also an important move to make when it comes to inventory flow. Yes. You know, it, it yes, you can save money by by ship if I order something here in West Palm Beach and they ship it from West Palm Beach, that's cheaper than if they ship it from a fulfillment center in Detroit. But more importantly, if I'm ordering, I don't know, let's call it bed sheets and they sell 23% more bed sheets cuz they fulfill online orders, they'll be able to stock more colors, have more product move through. So Routing things that way is good for the bottom line, but it's also good for the in-store customer. It makes it easier to get stuff. Even if they're out of stock, they have more capability to bring the, the order in and the capacity to get it to you. It used to be chaos. When you ordered something at Target to pick up in the store, nobody knew how to handle that. That was as recently as two years ago when we first moved down here. My wife ordered a bunch of stuff, and I had to go pick it up, and it was not fun. Now, that process is super simple because it happens 100 times a day. Yeah. I want to keep talking about that kind of fulfillment experience um, because customers really seem to have their pick of the litter now when it comes to fulfillment options from Target. So I was just looking through uh, some of the the options that they talked through in the earnings call, and it is pretty crazy. So they have shipped, which the company acquired in late 2017. So that 
bring same-day delivery to major metro markets. Um, and updating on that purchase, management said that Shipt is now live in more than 160 markets. It covers 1,100 Target stores. It's just seven bucks for the service, and membership has more than tripled. While the number of orders, uh, the revenue, and the gross merchandise volume flowing through Shipt, they're all two times to three times higher year over year. Pretty impressive. Then another one, an interesting one I'd like to get your thoughts on, Dan, is DriveUp. So DriveUp is like Walmart's curbside grocery pickup, uh, but I believe Target makes uh, pretty much all the products in its store eligible for this service. Um, they expanded that from 50 to 800 locations as of the second quarter. They expect to grow that number to 1,000 stores for the holiday shopping season. Walmart, uh, their curbside grocery pickup was something we talked about as a cool and a cool idea that was driving traffic and helping Walmart at the time. Makes sense that Target here is going to offer their version maybe a little better. Yeah, it's just about offering customers whatever they want. I go into Target a lot, but I can envision a day where I've got a hundred errands to, to do, and and our Target actually have to park and then go up an escalator. It's sort of an elevated Target, so I can see the possibility where just rolling up, my order is ready. It's it's already paid for. It's thrown in the back of the car. That might work. I I tend to be an Instacart shopper in terms of delivery, but there's no reason I might not place a a Target delivery order, especially you know we're in hurricane season now. So if I decide I need to stock up, I need heavy water, I need other things like that. It's all about giving the customer choices, and I think what will happen is in each market, it'll shake out what people want. They might find that in a, in a driving market, that, that pickup is important, but delivery isn't, and that in a city market, uh, lower quantities for delivery are really, really important. It's going to be different everywhere, and I imagine they'll get rid of and add options based on the feedback they see. Well, and here's one more. Uh, seems to be a little bit newer. It's called delivery from store. Um, this is uh, another interesting option where you can shop at a Target, so at the store, and then during check it, a checkout, you can choose to have your purchases shipped to your office, or your home later that day. So it's available in 58 stores across five markets. And the notable thing here is that the average basket size for this option, uh, management said it was uh, 200 bucks or more. So this is the highest of all the options Target has rolled out. And there's a reason for that. Brian Cornell has talked about this. He was talking about being in New York and that when you walk into a store in New York, you may need a TV, yes. but you have no ability to leave with a 50-inch television. Exactly. You can't, you can't walk down the street carrying that with you or even you know anything, a vacuum cleaner, anything that's sort of not going to fit in your little rolling shopping it's cart bulky, that, yes. that people in cities use. Uh, so the last two related things I'll mention are restock and the perks for Target's red card holder. So the restock service offers next day delivery for things like packaged food, staple items, uh, with a delivery fee of just $2.99. So that service went nationwide in May. It's actually free for red card holders. So that's Target's kind of branded credit card. And same thing for red card holders. Uh, two day shipping for online orders is free for them, whereas non card holders have to spend $35 or more. Um, I know that right now Target is testing a new loyalty program, but red card holders made up almost one quarter of sales last year. So uh, those kinds of perks can definitely contribute to greater customer loyalty. And I think it's a something that makes sense to add on um, as a benefit for the people who are you know loyal enough to shop at Target enough to pick up the card. And, and they and they push it very hard. Yeah. I don't know the last time you've shopped at a Target, but you cannot check out with another credit card without being asked twice if you want a red card. Yep. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about a few more investments before we consider some of the risks and other uh, takeaways that investors should have looking at Target's ongoing strategy and what they should track going forward. Support for the Molly Fool and industry focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Let's talk about buying a home for a minute. 
Because of rising interest rates, there's a lot of unpredictability when it comes to buying a home these days. It's causing a lot of anxiety for people. Well, our friends at Quicken Loans are doing something about that. They're calling it the power buying process. Here's how it works. Quicken Loans will verify your income, assets, and credit in less than 24 hours to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer. Then, once you're verified, you qualify for their all-new exclusive rate shield approval. First, they'll lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. Now, here's the best part. If rates go up, your rate stays the same, but if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Rachel approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. Based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records, equal housing lender, licenses in all 50 states, and MLS consumeraccess.org number 3030. All right, so something we have not had a chance to dig into yet is the big one-day sale, too, that Target <laughs> threw in July. So this was to compete with Amazon's Prime Day, maybe try and steal a little bit of their thunder. And a major portion of the strength in e-commerce in the second quarter was from that event, uh, which was Target's biggest day ever for online sales, about three times stronger than they forecasted. I think it makes sense that you know shoppers are already in the mood to spend some money that day on Amazon, so more retailers kind of want to get in on that action. And management also said they took the opportunity, basically, to see if their supply chain, the website, and other parts of the business, the back-end stuff, could handle the increased activity as they head into the all-important holiday season. But the last initiative I wanted to discuss was the growth of Target's private label offering stand. So, I know this is what originally attracted you to update listeners on the company. So, what's going on with the owned exclusive brands? So, if you've been to a Target, you may have noticed that it's no longer just a collection of merchandise. It is a very carefully curated set of different brands. And admittedly, some of the brands have sort of fake-sounding names, uh, especially the, the the men's shirts brands. I believe I'm wearing one right now. Uh, Goodfellow and Company, I think, is the brand they use. <laughs> but which, you know, that, again, that just sounds like something you and I made up for like a placeholder. But they also have partnerships with Chip and jo- Joanna Gaines on on some of their home stuff, and they really have created what Brian Cornell called a differentiated shopping experience. And that goes to to everything. They have multiple lines. So if you look at... um, you know, shampoos and cleaners, they have their, their up and up line. And that's sort of the competing with the name brands full size. And the reason uh, I sort of pitch this is they just introduced a line of sort of smaller, I don't want to say lower end, but, you know, more single use or, or not exactly travel size, but much cheaper uh, toiletries and other items like that, toilet paper, uh, toothpaste, that type of stuff, designed to keep you out of Dollar General or Aldi, places that people were going when they you know, just needed a little bit of something. So they really have something for everyone, and they've been very clever about how they've done it. Yeah, so this latest one, it's called Smartly, it covers some of those consumer staples that you mentioned, Dan. Uh, most, a lot of these items are going to be priced under two bucks, um, and management pretty much said outright that they want to take a swing at the discount retailers like dollar store chains and keep people um, out of drugstores too, which all obviously have a lot of their own generic uh, private label brand offerings. But all in all, in terms of these owned exclusive brands from Target, the company's launched four of them in the second quarter alone, about 20 in the last two years. So clearly, um, that effort, uh, the investment in these brands is picking up. And you take a step back uh, to consider some of the bigger picture considerations for Target shareholders, maybe investors who are now intrigued. Um, 
a reality check that I have, or it's what I'll call it, is that even with a lot of the growth that we've seen, for example, in e-commerce, we spent a few minutes talking about that, and the innovation and the fulfillment options that we discussed, only about $4 billion of their sales came from digital last year, or about 5.5% of the top line. So, that number will be higher in 2018, of course, given some of the growth that they've been putting up, but it's still only a sliver of Target's $74 billion in annual revenue. And all the those additional fulfillment expenses, those promotions from the first half of 2018, they're putting downward pressure on margins. So um, it's not too severe. The guidance for full year 2018 operating income margin is a decline of 30 to 40 basis points. Um, and while e-commerce does bring profitability down, and this is where the private labels come in. Target's able to offset some of those costs with the growing popularity of its private labels, which generally carry a better margin profile. And I, th- I think we're also in the very early days of private labels. So, you know, let's say I'm wearing Target pants. I, I, I don't know what the, what the pants brand would be, but let's call it Pantsly. You go in and you, you find your pants. Once you've done it in the store, you then sort of unlock the possibility of buying again online. So, you'll notice about all of these Target brands, whether whether it's the toiletries or the clothes, everything is very, very smartly packaged. They, they did a line of very low-end, under $10, mostly electronics, things like uh, chargers and, and cables and stuff that's sort of hard to figure out. And it's just in such clean, smart packaging that once you buy it once, it becomes very easy to trust it and buy again. And I think that's going to happen with clothes. I think that's going to happen with, with, with their food lines, with their with their uh, sundry lines, and that will drive sales online once people have had this experience in the stores. Yeah, I I, I definitely think there's a great opportunity with the private labels. I'm curious uh, what you think about this take. So, another fool, uh, Tim Green, he had a pretty interesting piece cautioning that going too far with private labels and cutting out too, uh, and in the process, cutting out a lot of well-known national brands can end up hurting Target if they if they take it too far. The examples that he gave were for Kohl's um, and also J.C. Penney. What do you think? Is that I know we're not there yet. But... Here's the thing: I worry about it a little bit because I. I, I used to buy sort of the generic champion sportswear that Target is phasing out in favor of its own brands. And if I'm looking for like running shorts or a bathing suit, I don't necessarily need something as hip as Target is trying to go. It might surprise the listeners, but I'm, I'm not super hip in the all black outfits here. <laughs> um, but I don't see, if you go look at shampoo, they still have all the major brands. They still have, you know, a- a- anything you'd want in, in other areas. So, yeah, I think on clothing and maybe on the home stuff, they might have gone a little too far. Um, and they expose themselves a bit to, you know, a brand that they've created sort of falling out of fashion. And they no longer have the just sort of generic that they used to. But as long as they keep innovating and keep rolling out new brands, I think they should be able to meet all those different needs. Yeah. All right. Um, again, with this kind of st- uh, step back look, uh, I will say something else. Uh, I wanted just your thoughts on this, Dan. So the, the we talked about the strong comps growth in this quarter, uh, best in a decade or more. Um, Companies said that that strength was across all five of their major product categories, and I want. I thought it was interesting that they know that toys were called out specifically by management. Um, in terms of being a category of strength for the company, and this seems like a boost because of the Toys R Us closures. What do you think going forward? Uh, toys and baby products were mentioned by management as being lower margin but high growth areas where they're pushing for the holiday season. Thoughts there? 
so we've talked a lot about toys because obviously I have a background running a toy store and Target just like everybody else, they don't do much with toys. They just throw them on the shelves. That said, the Target toy shelves are very well organized. If you walk into the Lego area, it's very clean. There's some interactive displays. There's there's some put together items. The same thing, you know, for its uh, its baby toys. It's different items. You can get a little bit hands on. So I do think it's more pleasant to shop toys in a Target than say a Walmart. And they have grown their selection. They've added uh, either seasonal toy areas or in some cases just expanded their toy area in general because obviously there's an opportunity you know i'd love to see them do a little bit more demonstrate some of these toys have some some you know working sections where you can play with things but for what it is and for what they do they've seen the opportunity uh and they've they've really grown what they have moved into some new categories you know sort of tweak the edges with some more educational stuff with some things that are you know a, a mix between you know athletic and toy so i see a huge opportunity this holiday season and going forward you know toys are a bit of a commodity so it's hard to tell but they're absolutely capitalizing on what's there right now Okay, uh, a couple more minutes here before we wrap up. Um, the lo- something that I also want to uh, say to put these really strong recent results in perspective, because um, as impressive as the second quarter was, uh, on a more macro level, retail spending across the board has been very strong uh, recently. Even uh, Cornell, the CEO, he said, uh, "quote There's no doubt." That, like others, we're currently benefiting from a very strong consumer environment, perhaps the strongest I've seen in my career. To that effect, um, shares of Nordstrom, Kohl's, Macy's, and TJX companies are also all up 30% or more year to date. So they're also among the top performers in the SP 500 so far this year. So Target's not alone in terms of you know, this brick and mortar retailer being part of that, uh, of that tailwind. Um, so to wrap up, Dan, anything else you'd like to add before we close out? Well, Target has positioned itself well for sort of the next downturn by having a lot of inexpensive house brands that don't feel cheap. You know, I, I think they've captured the the old magic. You know, when I first walked into a Target, and Target was not a thing in the Northeast where I grew up until, you know, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. When I first walked into one, I instantly knew this is nicer than what we used to have. This is better than the supermarket. It's better than Walmart. It's better than the old Bradley's and Caldor sort of stores we used to have. And that sort of slipped away over time. You know, you know the days where you could make the joke, I'm shopping at Target, which became a cliche, but it actually did mean something. It was sort of a superior brand experience. And I think now they've cleaned up some of those edges and even simple things like having good packaging sort of put some of that pride back. It's not all about price. It's a bit about price and sort of lifestyle. And yeah, I'm, I'm being sensible, but I'm not buying something cheap. And I think that's very important. All right. Uh, I also think it's important for listeners to realize that in the first half of this year, uh, on the more financial side, Target generated $2.7 billion of operating cash flow. Um, so the company has quite a bit of wiggle room in making all these investments that we've talked about. Uh, they forecasted $3.5 billion of CapEx spending in 2018. So a lot of their brick and mortar competition really cannot afford. To make these long-term plays, as they're just struggling to keep the doors open, but here Target, they can do this, and they can do all of that while easily maintaining their three percent yield, which has grown 47 years straight at this point. So the stock is actually just shy of becoming a dividend king, too. Definitely interesting to watch. I think management team here has executed really well. Um, thanks for bringing it onto my radar, Dan. Great having you here. Thank you. I'll see you next week. All right. 
Thanks for listening, Fools. People on the program may own companies discussed in the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear during the program. Go on. Mm-hmm.